Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts, Crescent and John, dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the Contender Connection live stream and the Monocle Dynasty Podcast. Uh, I am here with uh, Nubs once again. We're going to do a What Did We Learn? from week 11 and uh sorry we missed last week it, it was kind of a scheduling conflict i i couldn't do it on monday we then we tried to do it on on tuesday and it didn't really work out and then at that point like do you guys even want to hear like what we have to say like what we learned on wednesday you know the, the week moves so fast in fantasy football at that point you're, you're looking forward you're not looking back so we wanted to to make sure that we're putting out the the best and the timeliest uh content that we can and it just didn't really work out last week but we watched a lot of football. Uh, I don't know about you, Tim, but this week, the past couple weeks have felt a little weird. Like, you know, their weather played a part in games and stuff like that. And you still had a little bit of that this week, but not nearly as much of it. But it kind of felt like we got a little bit back to normal, um, at, at least for as, nor- as normal as 2020 can be. <laughs> so uh, what do you think of, the, of, of Sunday's games? Well, you had some, we're going to say some unsung heroes. You had some very unpredictable uh, situations such as with Burrow going down. You know, we, we got to see a little bit of a different quarterback play in uh, Carolina, which was nice, you know, refreshing for the DJ Moore owners. So yeah, just uh, surprising the Lions put up zero. That's a very interesting game, especially uh, where other teams have kind of dictated pace with Carolina all season. So for them to get no points is pretty surprising to me, but maybe uh, that's a little bit of indicative about, what their coaching future is going to look like. So we'll see. Yeah. How'd you do in, uh, in week 11, as far as fantasy goes, Oh, it was a very good week. Or how are you doing? I I know it's not over. (laughs) I've had a very good week so far. I have a couple games up in the air tonight. One's a little bit less up in the air, but I'm a little bit nervous for some, some reason of, uh, 2020 football gods, uh, punishing me for whatever reason where I'm up with Brady against, uh, the Rams defense, and I just feel like there's going to be an issue for some some reason. Uh, hope to got him wrong, but we'll see what happens. Past his bedtime, it's past Brady's bedtime, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I I have that same feeling about this game. You know, I, you would really think that you know, usually Monday Night Football, you know, every prime time games, everyone shows up and all that kind of stuff. But I, for some reason, I I really feel like this could be like a 12 to 18 game or something like that, you know, and it would just be so disappointing for everyone. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have uh, quite a bit riding on, on this game. You know, you have uh, a lot of offensive pieces here. So, uh, but the point of uh, tonight is we're going to try for the first time ever to actually get done before football starts. So let's, uh, let's dive right in. <laughs> uh, the first game is the Titans and the Ravens. And, you know, this was a beautiful game as a Titans fan. I, uh, I loved watching it. I mean, they, it, it was a little scary at, at times and everything, but you know, the ending was amazing. Uh, but you know, I was, I listened to a lot of podcasts at work and, you know, I've listened to a lot of recap podcasts this morning and, and this afternoon. And I feel like all anyone wants to focus on is AJ Brown's touchdown. And don't get me wrong. AJ Brown is a beast. That touchdown was amazing. Like his ability to just stay upright and, you know, just shed tacklers is unbelievable. 
but Corey Davis needs some respect on his name. Like, Thank you. <laughs> this this man is putting up a, a hell of a season. Not like I mean, not like Hall of Fame worthy or anything like that. But um, you know, I went back and looked at it. He's on a 16 game pace because obviously he missed some time, and you know the season's not done yet. So, but he's on a 16 game pace of 110 targets, 78 receptions, 1,098 yards, and seven touchdowns. AJ Brown is on the same 16 game pace of 118 targets, 72 receptions, 1,080 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Now that's a 20. He has a AJ Brown has a 19.6 percent touchdown rate on the season. Um, AJ Brown is a beast. I still don't think that's sustainable. And so, you know, it's once that comes down a little bit, like once he regresses a little bit, you're going to see that they're basically producing the same and, or at least very similarly. And yet people are going to, you know, people are putting AJ Brown as a wide receiver one and Corey Davis is an afterthought. And it just makes no sense to me. You want to put AJ Brown above Corey Davis? By all means. I have no issues with it whatsoever. But don't act like Corey Davis is some wide receiver five or something like that. I I uh we're the, on the same page. Corey Davis were believers. Definitely believers. I actually uh just kind of watching the game, uh it was Davis who kept the drives alive that put them in positions to score points. De- uh the sorry. AJ Brown had a bunch of drops actually in this game that were kind of at key times besides like certain times when they were are kind of afterthoughts due to penalty that kept the drives alive on third down. He did have some nice plays where he could have actually had a bigger box score, but there were pass interference plays where it ended up he didn't get any of those yards, but it was definitely Davis who was the most important in many on many possessions to them actually accumulating points where he was getting those you know, drive saving or, you know, extended drive plays or even the big, you know, 20, 30 yards downfield where now they're in field goal range at least and they can start to, you know, look at a threat of scoring some points. So I agree with you. Uh, Corey Davis needs to be really um, kind of elevated in the current uh, climate and how people think about him because he's producing, I can just looking at the, the scores right now, they're within what a point of each other. And I know that Brown could have had a bigger game, but he didn't. And Davis, once again, contributed to what they were doing to make them win the game. So That's the thing. I mean, I don't think that, uh, you know, A.J. Brown has butterfingers or anything like that. But, you know, imagine if Corey Davis was the one that, that made those drops the past two games. People would be crucifying him. And, you know, I'm once again, I believe in A.J. Brown's talent. I believe he is a great wide receiver. But I'm just trying to put some respect to Corey Davis's name because I've listened to a lot of podcasts, especially you know over the past season, uh, but especially today, and just no one wants to put any respect on his name. They're just like, oh yeah, you know Corey Davis had a game, it was okay, and it's like no, he's putting up essentially the same exact season as AJ Brown. You know, sands a few touchdowns here or there. Um, I just don't believe that that TD rate is gonna is gonna stay up at 20% range. I mean, that's insane. Now Omega King has. Uh, has a question for us, Corey Davis or Robbie Anderson rest of season. Um, I mean, I, I, this one's pretty easy for me, but I, I'll let you take this one, Timmy. Davis. Uh, my biggest concern was Davis having a, a large enough target share. If this continues, there's no reason why Davis cannot be an every week player. And Robbie Anderson, since we've been talking about the one touchdown he had where his defender fell over, has not scored a touchdown. No, yeah. it's, 
I mean, and I, I, I'm put out uh, Robbie Anderson as a buy a couple weeks ago because I really believe that he would have regressed from, you know, that 1.7% TD rate that he had. Because, I mean, that's that's the complete opposite, you know, spectrum from A.J. Brown, where it's just unbelievable. Like, you would think that with the amount of targets and everything, he would be scoring. But he almost seems to be getting less and less efficient each week. You know, like, just his efficiency is just going down and I mean, yet he's still getting targeted, but yet, you know, where it was 120 yards in week two, now it's like 40 yards, you know, and it just, uh, it's, it's almost like it, you know, it, it was kind of fluky, but the, the, with the targets that he's getting, you can't completely write him off, but yeah, give me, give me CD all day. The original CD. <laughs> Thank you, Duchesne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then just a quick thing, Henry's going to win some people championships again, just like last year. It, you can already see it coming. It's ramping up just like it does every year. <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't know, it's going to be really pretty. Fourth fourth quarter or, third, or fourth period, I should say, of the, uh, the fantasy season. It's going to explode. People are going to be tired. People are going to be worn out. I agree with you. And then on top of that, on top of that, he has the uh, the schedule that he does. And so, you know, whereas he's the past three or four weeks have actually been pretty difficult matchups and he's been okay. He's been good. Um, obviously this week was, was you know pretty good. Uh, it didn't start out that way, but he kind of wore him down like, like you were saying, but uh, his upcoming schedule is just amazing. And so, yeah, he's going to win some championships. It's probably way too late to get him, but if you can, I, I don't know why you don't have him already. <laughs> Did you see the, uh, there was a visual. He actually ran in the in the shape of an L. So he actually gave the Ravens an L on that last play. <laughs> he definitely did. He literally did. Um the other side of the ball, what I what I learned was that we can't have nice things in 2020. Uh, the second that JK Dobbins gets his lead back game, uh, you know, we just found out today. We didn't find out last night, but uh now he's on the COVID IR. And I don't know if he actually has COVID or if he's just a, a close contact or whatever, but um, he's definitely going to miss this week. And he, you know, possibly even, you know, even more than that. And it's so sad. Like it's, it's breaking my heart because I thought, and just like DeAndre Swift last week, you know, same exact thing. Great. Finally breaks out. And then next thing you know, nope, they're gone. And uh, yeah, makes me want to cry. Swift tore out my heart last week, so I, I'll be able to console you this week. I, I know, I know the the proper ways in which we can take care of this for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you could always trade me Dobbins. You know, now that he's now that he's on the COVID IR list and everything, he's a little cheaper. You know, he's not really he's not gonna be able to produce. <laughs> <laughs> he said cheaper. <laughs> I know. Uh, cheaper and and Timmy do not go together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but what we did learn from this game is that Dobbins is the real deal. I mean, he looked amazing. And they I don't know why it took them 11 weeks to really figure this out, but he's looked like this for the majority of the season. I think the you know, we skipped last week, but the previous episode we, you know, basically said that he didn't look that special in that game. You know, he only had what like 30 yards rushing or something like that in, in uh, the game 2 weeks ago. Yeah, but and they weren't attacking in the sidelines very well special. either. But yeah, yeah, they, he was explosive. Yeah. Uh, you can just see how much more explosive he is compared to the other backs in that backfield. And 
I think obviously he gives them the best shot to win. So it's going to be very difficult to keep him off the field. We we kept hypothesizing what was the issue, what was going on, why were they not doing this or that, the other thing, and nobody knew the right answer. But I think as as of right now, we know that J.K. is definitely the right answer for whatever their problem is. But for this upcoming week, uh, how are you feeling about Gus Bus? Uh, I I've kind of been plugging him this year. I, I do think it, I think he's got some sort some sort of future value. And I think even current value, I think he can perform uh, to the level that they need as long as they actually keep the offense on schedule and they put themselves in scoring opportunities. But besides that, like um, I'm wondering who, who's going to be the the change of pace. Is it going to be Hill? Because I think that'll be, obviously there's not a lot of checkdowns in this offense at this point from, from Lamar to the running backs, but there's going to be, there's going to need to be a player that's going to spell Edwards. And I, I would like to see kind of what they end up doing in this game because it might be something they can mimic with Dobbins. Yeah, I'm interested to see what Edwards can do with a, more of a full workload. I mean, he I don't think he's shown us anything absolutely amazing, but he's just running hard. And, you know, like that is something that can work, especially with that offense. Um, so I, I don't know. There, there wasn't much to take away as far as Lamar. He looked about the same. He had that one great touch pass to Andrews. That was about it. <laughs> Other than that, it was pretty ugly. Um, I I don't know. He still, he still looks broken. Uh, they, at least they kind of got the offense like somewhat working with the run game and everything, but but he still looks broken, and I, I don't know what's going to fix it at this point. Real quick, all I'm going to say is when I was watching or re-watching the game, I should say, what popped into my head was, are they trying to force him more into being a pocket passer this year? I know he had 13 carries, but they weren't the dynamic jump-off-the-screen type of plays that he was getting last year, just in the types of almost the types of runs he's getting, where it's secondary to passing. And I don't know if that's, if, if that's them doing it intentionally or if he's trying to do it intentionally or what, but I I don't know if that's, if that's the problem or whatnot, but... It's just something that seemed to stick out to me that he almost was trying to force himself to be more of a quarterback than a runner. Yeah, and it's not really working out. <laughs> uh, next game was the Lions and the Panthers. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it before, but, like, Stafford's thumb seems to be a problem. And uh, either that or they really need DeAndre Swift. But they scored zero points. I know they had the touchdown called back on the um, on the penalty uh, Marvin Jones could have actually had a decent game if they had had that, but I mean it. That was an ugly game, ugly game, especially against the Panthers' defense. Yeah, even when just even if he scores that touchdown, to be honest with you, does that really change your perception of how this team performed? Like you might be like, well, you know, Marvin Jones had a decent game, but does that give you any more confidence to play him the next week? I don't think it does, especially if Stafford's thumb isn't better. I no. it, I feel like this team kind of quit. To be honest, I, I don't I don't want to say that because it's only week 11, but I don't see the fight that you'd want to see in an NFL team, especially a team playing against a team that has their backup quarterback in. Like, you'd right. think that there could be blood in the water. Let's go get this thing. And there was – I didn't see that. And the backup quarterback gave them multiple turnovers, and they did nothing with it, you know. And, and like you said, you know, yeah, you would have felt a little bit better about Jones had he had that touchdown – um, I, I do think I would be okay playing Jones in like a flex spot or something, but that's really about it until Swift's back. And even with Swift back, um, 
I don't know if Swift is like I think Swift is good. I don't know if he's good enough to like fix this offense by himself. And we saw like he had a great week in week ten, but man, that week eleven, I'm really hoping that uh, Stafford's thumb can heal up pretty quickly because that was ugly, man. Well, and then when you get to the point where you gotta say, well, we're not doing anything this year. Who are we shutting down? Because that might yeah. be just a time in which once again Stafford gets shut down, uh, and then you know Galladay's out. When are you gonna are you gonna bring him back with a backup quarterback? Maybe. But then you might yep. just say this is a lost year. We're gonna we're gonna sit the guys that need to just remain healthy, and then you might see nothing from this offense. So, I think the only thing that that will stop that is you know I think we've learned at this point like Matt Patricia is on the hot seat and he is going to do everything in his power to try to win games whether he can or not. Um, and so if he has players available, he's going to play them. So I mean I I think because of that reason like Swift is going to be used Galladay is going to be used if he's you know healthy Jones is going to be out there Stafford's going to be out there like he knows that those guys give him the best you know the best ability to win a game and that's the only like if it was if it was a different team having the same issues you know with a tenured uh, coach that you know you know isn't on the hot seat like it might be completely different but Patricia has to win or at least look good enough to keep his job and you know it's not it's not working right now so he's gonna be uh he's gonna be trying anything and everything he's gonna be pulling the cards out of his hat and all that kind of good stuff and as a swift owner i root for seeing another performance like this one that we've seen today get him out of there <laughs> get him out of there yep um on the other side pj walker's not that good but he's good for fantasy you know you, you had mentioned it before he, he's good for dj Moore. he's good for curtis samuel um he, he has that Jameis Winston effect where he's not actually that good at NFL football, but he makes things happen because he just doesn't care. You know, he's just slinging the ball. He has a hell of an arm. You can tell. I mean, he, he, he puts, he, he puts some, uh, some touch on that ball, but you know, his vision, his, his uh, you know, he, he can't, he couldn't stay in the pocket. You know, now he, he's very fast and he was able to get out there and like extend the play and everything. But you know, you, you want to see a lot more than that. It was his first game in the NFL, sure, but uh, I, I definitely don't think they'll be switching over to P.J. Walker at any point unless uh, Bridgewater's knee you know, really gives them a problem. I'd like this to be a lesson to Teddy Bridge quarterback. Um, throw the ball deep. Take your shots yeah. because it's it opens up a lot. Obviously, P.J. is not as much of a, an underneath dump off to the running back type of quarterback. But that doesn't mean that you can't take the deep shots to complement that as as Teddy if, when he comes back. That could be something that he might want to, you know, take a little bit and make a more of a, a focus on that because, you know, this offense looked pretty pretty fun today. Obviously, you were playing Detroit, but they at least like versus Tampa last week. Yeah, they scored, but like the game was over quick, and yep. you didn't ever believe that that. Carolina had a chance to really come back unless like the defense had a couple defensive touchdowns or whatever, where this may, may open up kind of an, a new angle that they can run this offense in because they obviously have playmakers. And it was kind of interesting to see the target shares were very close with the, with the three receivers. But if you're looking at how they're getting those targets, like Robbie, 46 yards uh, on uh, seven receptions, I think he had, yeah, he had nine targets. So yeah. they're all, they're all short targets 6.6 yards average on the reception so unless he's breaking a tackle or unless he's completely getting lost in coverage he's not he's not gonna be able to score but at least you you know you're taking those shots for a chance to actually do something deep so 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if we didn't know already, DJ Moore's a beast. Uh, that's, uh, man, he, I know I just got done saying that PJ Walker's not that good, but he definitely did something right today. And he, he made DJ Moore show up even more. Um, we already knew that though. Uh, Mike Davis is, is kind of running out of steam. You know, he started out pretty hot, but, uh, I really expected more against the Lions defense. And I mean, I know he, he actually put up decent points cause he scored and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and you would mention with PJ Walker, he didn't really dump it off very much. So it was mostly carries, but the, the only thing you can say is that CMC's already basically been ruled out for the fall, you know, this week, this upcoming week, he got 18 carries. I think he had two targets. So, I mean, he had 20 touches and yet, you know, he didn't put up that much, but there's not that many running backs right now getting 20 touches. And so even though it's kind of ugly, you're probably still going to have to, you know, roll with Davis until CMC gets back. And uh, that's, that's about all you can do with these running backs these days. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think he almost looks like he's running out of gas just because he's not used to the workload. And I shouldn't say, well, this may not be the case, but it could almost be like, you never want to play like this, but playing like not to get hurt, like, not fighting mm-hmm. for the extra yard to like make sure you don't fumble or make sure you don't take some un- yeah. unnecessary hit or whatever, because like his long his long carry this uh, last uh, yesterday was nine, so he wasn't busting anywhere uh, mm-hmm. far or long or anything like that. So yeah, it could be that they're going to be on fumes by the time that CMC gets back. Yeah, definitely. Next game was the Eagles and the Browns. Um, <laughs> the biggest takeaway I have for the Browns is that they need a dome stadium. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Um, I the the wind, the rain, the just torrential downpours. It's it's really getting ridiculous. And he's kind of uh, Baker Mayfield's kind of another guy that I, I I kind of think needs a little respect to his name because everyone, including in our group chat, is hating on Baker Mayfield right now. And I honestly think now is the perfect time to go trade for Baker Mayfield. Like his value has to be the lowest it's ever been, and I mean, you probably have people talk. I'm sure there's people talking about that he needs to be benched for Case Keenum and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is, he's had he's had three games in a row with some terrible weather, and then he had a bye week in between. So if you're looking at those games, he it looks absolutely just god awful. But I don't think he's really had a chance. And if you look at the other quarterbacks in those same games, they all struggled too. Wentz struggled. Watson struggled the week prior. Um, Car. I don't remember who they – Carr. Yeah, they, they all struggled. Thank you. And it's just why are, why are we only putting down Mayfield in these games? Why are we only saying, oh, well, Mayfield sucks. But then, you know, give give the other guy a, a chance because it, it was, you know, really bad weather. Like, no, that doesn't work that way. But – Seriously, go trade for Mayfield. You might be able to get him for a second right now. Like, honestly, I mean, obviously it depends on your league, depends on the owner. You know, you come at me with a second, I'm going to laugh in your face. But you go to somebody else and they, they might actually do it. I thought we were going to get a live trade done right now. I was going to offer you a second. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> laughed in your face. <laughs> I don't think uh, switching quarterbacks is ever going to – switching to uh, to Keenum's going to solve the Browns passing problem i actually do agree i think baker is a buy especially for next year this team when it's uh on schedule and it has all its weapons there are very few teams that have more weapons and baker is a he's a system quarterback in my opinion he has to be in the right system but that doesn't mean when he's in the right system he can't be a good thing like for real like 
when it, when he's got the run game behind him and he's able to roll it out and he's able to find you know when when you roll out you kind of limit your options on on who you can target but if you have the right guys in those positions he can keep moving the ball down the field and then it's really up to the coach depending on how far away they are from the goal line when they finally get down there if they're running or passing it so the touchdowns may be a little bit random and they're probably less random right now with the dependency on the running game but uh, I agree. Just moving forward, this team should only get better offensively, at, at, you know, by just maturing and adding more weapons and things of that nature. So, and I'm not necessarily saying that Baker's going to come out and win you a championship or anything like that. But we're always talking about superflex leagues, and in a superflex league, I think he has you know a good amount of value, and he might not end up, or he's definitely not going to end up as top twelve quarterback this year. Uh, he might not even end up as top 12 quarterback next year because it's lower volume and everything like that. But I do think he can be that Kirk Cousin, low volume, high efficiency kind of guy, especially going into next year when he has his second year in the system, which is the first time ever that we're going to be able to say that for him, you know, going in uh, into another year because he's he's had Hugh Jackson, then uh, Freddie Kitchens, and now Kevin Stefanski. And I don't think Stefanski's going anywhere. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's 73, like, baby. Let's yeah, go. this is the first winning record they've had in how long? You know, uh, he's not going anywhere. So I, I definitely think there's there's uh, much better days ahead as far as Baker's concerned. And uh, yeah, I just want to say we're trying to put respect on people's names tonight. That's what that that's our job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of respect, all right, another one. I think we can finally put this Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt argument to rest. I right. Yep, I think we did that two weeks ago when we said we needed Chubb back. This yeah, offense needed I, Chubb. Yeah, and they did. And you know, look, they're they're winning. You know, Chubb comes back, and they're just they're winning games. And it's uh, but I mean, oh man, I, I should have written down the the actual stats, but it was like what 113 yards for Chubb and 13 yards for Hunt or something like that. 114 to 11. Well, there you go. Okay, I, I was close, but I yeah. And same team, same game, same everything. I get uh, you. You can say, and and, and uh, weren't they weren't they only about like three carries away from each other? Like, didn't Chubb only have about three more carries than than Hunt? It was twenty to thirteen. Okay, but uh, I feel like the the Hunt carries that you saw because they were they he had some goal line carries. They were mm. probably more more prominent in your mind, which is why you remember them that way. So. Yeah, that's that's probably true, but I mean, I, and I'm not even trying to hate on Hunt. It's just I feel like Chubb is another one of those guys. It's like, oh no, Hunt's gonna take over. Hunt's the the better running back, and you know, just like once again, we're putting respect to people's names tonight. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, on the other side of the ball, I really don't. I, I really don't think there's much to take away from the Eagles. Once again, I will say there was terrible weather in this game. I know people want to hate on Wentz and, and say he's just god-awful at this point. And you know what? They might even be right. He has not looked great. But I'm going to give him a pass on this game. The weather was just terrible. And, you know, there was some – I mean, we saw Sanders fumble. There was a lot going on with that, you know, wet ball, wet field, all that kind of stuff. And he definitely made some mental errors and some mistakes that he probably <laughs> needs to go and fix. But – that had nothing to do with the rain, but I'm going to attribute a lot of it to the rain. Now, I want to put respect on Carson Wentz's name, but I don't want to get dragged, so I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I am I'm the 
probably the most staunch defender of Carson Wentz. I think he's, I think he's played really poorly. Nobody, no one can deny that. But I really think that he's also a buy low at this point because their offensive line is so bad. And I know that okay, there might be people uh, clamoring for uh, Hurts, but can they even move Wentz based on his contract? And even if mm-hmm. they do, I don't think that's his last starting opportunity. I think there's a lot of opportunity or a lot of places he would go that he could he could get starts. Like think about Wentz playing with the offensive weapons in Carolina. That would be really fun. Um, yeah, he's going to get a chance. You know, no, yeah. no matter what, I think he's going to get a chance, even if he was moved. But we were talking about it before. Like it, it, he has what forty six million in dead cap or something like that. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's a crazy number. It's absolutely insane, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't see him going anywhere. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Just that and. Just, I know that you watch, and there's plays you're just like, what was he thinking? But there could have been so many things that have happened this year that kind of just have messed up his internal clock or just his ability to, you know, make the easy throw that he just has to get confidence back or whatnot. And I think that's a perfectly, probably well priced risk to take on a QB, especially in a in the super flex league. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's at this point, the cost isn't going to be that great. And so, you know, late first, second, I mean, people are worried about Hertz coming in and taking his job. He's another one that you you might be able to get for a second, which is kind of crazy to say about, you know, for a starting QB in a super flex league. I hope you sold Fulgelum. Not saying he can't be something later on, but I'd much rather have an asset that I have a lot more faith in than one that I'm guessing the next couple of weeks, what he's, what he's going to do. Yeah, and, and I'm definitely not defending Fulgham or anything like that. But once again, I, I'm kind of attributing a lot of mm-hmm. it to the weather. And so mm-hmm. I, 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 there could still be better days for Fulgham. Um, you know, I, I said a couple weeks ago, like I was I was perfectly fine with Fulgham the rest of the year. Maybe I was wrong on that. But, uh, you know, I really didn't believe in him as like a long-term thing anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I had plenty of opportunities to trade for Fulgham earlier in the season. I definitely was not doing that. You know, I looked at his – I looked at uh, – his profile. I looked at everything he's done and I was, I wasn't having, I definitely wasn't paying the first and stuff that people were asking for. I was not doing that. <laughs> no, I'll let someone else, I'll let someone else brag about how they made such a good trade during a first and a second rounder where I'd rather just be the one that said, Hey, I moved him for an upgrade. That's what yeah. I'll do. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, even if it doesn't make sense, if you have a, uh, if you have a notion, if you have an idea of like what a player is, even if it's not exactly going according to what your idea was, you know, sometimes it's better just to stick to your guns and just be like, no, nah, I, I know it's working right now, but I don't believe in the player. <laughs> the uh, Pats and the Texans are the next game. And I didn't really have a lot to take away from this game. Cam threw a lot. He really didn't run a lot. And I think it was just because it was working. You know, the Texans defense is garbage. Um, it was a little weird that he didn't run. Obviously, maybe they could have used some more run because they lost, but, uh, you know, slow down the game, not let Watson have the ball as much, you know, like that kind of thing. Maybe they'll go back and, and change that. But what I did want to say was with James or with uh, Rex Burkhead going down with an ACL tear, James White, you know, could end up being like, I'm not going to say like an RB1 or anything like that. I don't think he's ever going to get enough touch to do that. But he could be like a high upside RB two for the rest of the year. Just the they're I looked at their schedule and it definitely seems like they're going to be. I mean, obviously we know their their defense is garbage. Um, they're going to be in games that they're either going to be trying to stay up, stay in it, or they're going to be coming you know from behind like that kind of thing. 
I actually wanted to do more research on this before the the podcast and I actually forgot. But I'm just, I'm just taking a look at the schedule right now. And I feel like Cam has played so much better against or fantasy-wise against teams that forced the Patriots to score points where they don't get to really dictate the clock. Obviously, they got demolished by San Francisco and they couldn't do anything in that game. But I would be trying to tar- my whole uh, assumption on Cam was either he's toast, his shoulder's gone, he can't play football again, he's just too injured, or um, he'll be that 17-point floor type of quarterback. And he's been that most weeks. So I actually have pretty good faith in playing him uh, in a lot of these matchups where they're going to have to score points. Um, obviously, like the the game against Miami and maybe against Buffalo, we don't. I don't really know what they're going to kind of what they're going to see as a game plan if it's going to be you know, limiting uh, shots for, for Allen or even just possessions for Allen or if they want to give Allen as many possessions as possible so you can try to throw picks. I don't know. But the Patriots defense lost a lot of players to start the year or even before the year even started, I should say, that I think that's really impactful on when they play teams that can actually score points, which if you look back, once again, you haven't really seen a ton, a ton of teams that are uh, very gifted at scoring points. For example, like basically it's like Seattle, Kansas City, and Houston that have done so, and they actually held Kansas City under 30. So uh, that's a little bit of a, kind of a difference where they're not being forced to do all these things. Now, I know Cam was like around 65% completion, which was nice, but I think a lot of a lot of those completions were really short, once again, helping White. Um, and just and I'm not sure what kind of consistency we can expect in the passing game, because I know that we were, were, were thinking Jeff Thomas was going to be the speed guy or an option at, at the being the speed guy in this offense, and it's Demir Bird. So I don't know how much is predictable. It is kind of nice seeing other options besides Edelman um, get the chance to see what goes on and see if they can flourish. Besides that, I don't really have too much. Just because, you know, Harris only had 11 carries in this game, and I don't know what his status is, if he's going to be healthy going into the next next week and things of that nature, but it's definitely, a, definitely an opportunity to buy white if someone's not paying attention. Yeah, I'm a little scared with Harris because Sony Michelle's back. Uh, he, you know, he was activated off of IR, but we don't. He didn't start. He didn't play. Um, we don't know when he's actually going to be out back out on the field. And Harris has looked pretty good um, while he's he's been gone. This week wasn't you know nearly as good. But like you said, he only had 11 carries. But if they end up splitting that first and second down roll, that's not going to be good. And that's why I'm thinking I'd probably completely avoid that situation altogether. Uh, you know, I'm, I really, unless of course, like if Michelle just never comes back in, if they just, you know, say, Hey, Harris is our guy, that's completely different, but I don't really see that happening right now. Um, that's why I'm thinking like, you know, James white might be the guy that you actually want. But then again, I mean, we're talking about trusting Patriots running backs and that's probably a fool's errand. So, <laughs> uh, I really didn't have a lot to take away from the Texan side of the ball. I don't know about you. I, I mean, at least like. Nothing new, nothing new that like, we didn't already know. Like, you know, Cooks is the one, Fuller's kind of like the 1B, you know, maybe two, whatever you want to call it. Um, Aikens had some targets, which is great, but, you know, last so week. He, yeah, it's just, it's you can't, it's just like every other tight end, or maybe it's probably worse than every other tight end, but still, like, I guess, worst case scenario, you can throw them in there. Um but, and that was really about it. Uh, oh, no, actually, I, I did have one takeaway. Duke Johnson is not very good. <laughs> Can we put that to rest now, that he was ever going to be a thing? That other I, coaches might have known what they were doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I, I've just, 
I've never really believed in his, like, not that I hated the guy or anything like that. I just never really believed he was going to be like some workhorse back. But for years and years and years, it's like, oh, Fielding gets his chance. He Fielding gets his chance. <laughs> what what more of a chance do you need? You know, it's kind of like the whole like Kareem Hunt kind of thing at this point. It's like you, you're you're going off of like five years ago. You're going off of years ago. You're not you're, you you got to think about 2020 as much as you don't want to. Yeah, I think that's right. it. We know who's good. We know who's not on the Texans. We know who you want, who you want to play, who you don't. So I'm with yeah. you. Unfortunately, you might have to, you know, play Duke Johnson just because of, of you know running backs and the situation. But I mean, I know he has a pretty cake matchup against the Lions next week. Uh, maybe he'll he'll be okay. But you know, I said in our group chat earlier, you know, he'll probably go like 15 for 49, and maybe he'll get a touchdown, and and then we can finally say, okay, he's he's done. <laughs> he's he's done. <laughs> The Packers and the Colts are the next game. I, I know this one probably hurts a little bit to talk about. Um, but <laughs> um, honestly, for me, I mean, you, you probably have, uh, or you definitely have your own opinions here, but, you know, Rodgers started out looking pretty good. And then he kind of fell apart a little bit. And I don't know if, I mean, obviously we know Indy's defense is pretty good. Um, I don't know if they made a change that, you know, like that, they did something differently, you know, in the second quarter, second half, but uh, he, he looked like a completely different quarterback in the second half until like that, you know, in, until that uh, Hail Mary right at the end. Uh, going into this game, my, uh, my narrative would was and would have been had I shared it with anyone was the Packers, the team that most likely is superior, superiorly talented in most situations and most positions versus the better coach team. And yeah, there was a fumble by MVS. So we can say the better coach team won, but it's not good when you put up three points in the second half in overtime. So there's a lot of things that go on um, in this game where I actually, I, I turned on my buddy and I was like, well, the Packers are going to win this game anyway. So it doesn't really matter. And then they go on <laughs> to proceed to score three points the rest of the game. So I might've jinxed them. Just kidding. But I, I, you play this game a hundred times and it's, you're going to see probably a hundred different outcomes in terms of who wins and by how much you're just looking at two really good teams playing each other. As far as them just kind of being shut down in the second half, I want to say that's more Colts coaching and game planning than anything else. I know there were some drops. There were some kind of inaccurate passes, but it was mostly due to how the Colts decided they were going to play green Bay in the second half. And Phillip rivers is balling. Like, He's making the right throws at the right time. Nothing like he was doing last year with the Chargers. Uh, this team is is legit. If they can somehow unlock Jonathan Taylor, which I you can see everyone on that team wants him to blow up. They are holding for him all the time, trying to get him that one confident run where it actually was funny. I was like, I had Jonathan Taylor in all of my redraft leagues, and I was like, let me get a Jonathan Taylor 20-yard touchdown. I got it. The football god said, no, you don't. Here's a flag for you. And they brought him back. <laughs> so you can tell that this team this team has very good chemistry right now. And I, I think they're actually, as long as they come in with the proper game plan, they're going to be a threat to a lot, of, a lot of the Super Bowl contenders in the AFC when that playoff uh, bracket comes around. So I don't really have too much, honestly, to, to share that we don't actually already know in this game. I expected more from, from Lazard, but I... You know, it, it, depending on depending on who get who's getting the targets and the game situations, they keep throwing the MVS and 
um, Lafleur saying that he trusts MVS more than ever. So that might be a shift that I wasn't expecting just based on uh, prior performance earlier in the year. But yeah, it's not too much to share that. Once again, we know we know kind of what, what we know about this team and who we're confident in, in starting. Now, the workloads in the in the backfield for the Colts was a little bit, you know, head scratcherish today. But it almost feels like Hines is going to be the goal line back because he's got the most shake, the most shift, and he can make it through the smallest holes at the goal line, which I don't actually have an issue with because he's he's explosive. They ran some routes uh, where he he just ran right towards the sideline, um, and I feel like that's that's a route they're going to be able to take advantage of in certain situations with slower linebackers or when they have to pack the middle. That he's going to be one on one outside with a corner, or he'll just have to beat one guy and he might be going to the end zone. Yeah, Spaceman thinks we need to crown Adams the dynasty wide receiver one, which we we were talking on uh, Happy Hour the other night. I think we're done. I'm done. I don't know about you, but I'm done with this whole like I'm crowning this guy the wide receiver one. I'm crowning that guy the wide receiver one. I'm doing a tier now, and there's probably you know, five to six guys or something like that in that tier that you could really say, you know, I'd be perfectly fine having any of them. And Adams is one of those guys, but we've also seen he's, you know, he's had trouble staying healthy. Now he played through injury and he looked great this week. And that was one of my notes is like, even when he's injured, he still, you know, played like a stud, but you know, how close was he to not playing, you know, like, and all that kind of, it's just, it's a little scary that the injuries are a little scary and he, he always seems to get a little nicked up but I definitely can't argue with anybody that's saying he's the wide receiver one spaceman smarter than me. So I'm going to, I'm going to defer to spaceman on this one, especially because he's talking about <laughs> Packer players, but they actually, the, the final drive, the Colts defense actually wasn't that great in the final drive of regulation because yep. Adams was getting the balls, but there were a lot of other players that were destroying those zones. And it was just, he was targeting Adams down the middle because he had the softest matchup against the linebackers. But yeah, yeah, I would honestly say though that Adams is my number one as long as he stays healthy. The first threat of injury, I'm trying to move him. Uh, he says not true, not true, but <laughs> not true that Devontae is not one anymore. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, all right, now this is going to sound a little controversial, but uh, that's kind of what I do. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I've also I also tend to be right. So uh, now is the time to sell Jonathan Taylor. I was a Jonathan Taylor believer uh, before the season. I, you know, believed in his talent. I believed in the offense and, and all that kind of stuff and how they were going to use him. This game showed me what I needed to see that even when he got 22 carries, he did not do that much with it against the Packers run defense. I needed to see a lot more, you know, oomph out of him. And, you know, I know it was completely like change of pace and everything, but Jordan Wilkins you know, really looked better in, and <laughs> uh, you know, in just a few touches, but spaceman's <laughs> leaving because I'm talking bad about Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> but the, the truth of the matter is it's like Taylor's Taylor's value has gone down so much, but this week it might've gone back up. You know, people got that glimmer. Oh, he's getting 22 carries. He's the man, all that kind of stuff. I've talked about it for weeks now, how bad the Packers run defense is. And, you know, I, I just don't believe it. I, I really feel like they're truly a hot hand approach. This week, it you know it was Jonathan Taylor. Last week, it was Hines. They even came out before the game and said that Hines was going to get more touches. And then you know it ended up being Taylor. So you can't believe a damn word they say. But um, I don't know. I obviously like I'm not saying sell them for for nothing. I'm not saying sell them for a second or anything like that. At that point, it's not worth it. Just hold them. But if you can get close to that original value. 
yeah, I think I'm out. I honestly think if you get a couple good games with them, like consecutive, that the perception is going to shoot back up to like first or second round startup value. When that mm-hmm. happens, you can really move them. Now, I'm more leaning towards I want to hold on to him. But the thing is, when you comparatively watch them, watch him and Heinz play, I know they're not the same players, but Heinz is so much more shake and so much more just electricity compared to Taylor when uh, matching up with NFL defenders. That's something you can't ignore. Now, I don't know, once again, if that's just Taylor still breaking down the zone blocking scheme and trying to really, you know, remove the requirements of having to sit there and think and try to find the hole and just react. But it's it's night and day how much more electric Kynes is. Now, I know that he cannot be a, a full, you know, bell, bell call back. Kynes cannot be. But if Hines keeps getting all those valuable touches and Taylor just operates between the 20s, we're really capping his value and his production on a week-to-week basis. So that's just something to consider as to how a team might be built if you want to proceed with Taylor or if you want to move on and look for other options maybe even at other positions and then play these up, up uh, upside backs or even just the volume backs, such as guys in Miami or whatnot at this point. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just, I'm looking to get rid of them. If you can get back to original value, if it's not that, then just hold at this point. But um, you know, like I, said, I think people might be like, Oh man, he, he, you know, he's, he's back. He's, he's, he finally got it. We had a couple of people in the group chat even today talking about like, Oh, you know, maybe the game's slowing down for him. Like, no, the, it was the Packers run defense. Like, come on. <laughs> um, My feelings are hurt. And, <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you're a realist and, and you understand that I'm right. <laughs> at least, at least about the Packers run defense, if, yeah. if not anything else. And then I know you probably have a different uh, opinion here, but I don't trust Michael Pittman's last two weeks at all. And I know I'm saying a lot of, you know, a lot of lack of trust here like with a lot of these players, but I'm just, I'm watching it. And last week the defender fell down and then Pittman, you know, scampers for a 40 yard TD. And this week, no defenders were in sight. Like he literally could have like walked and still gotten 40 yards. I don't know what, I have no idea what the Packers uh, were doing on that play. No idea. Maybe you watched a little more intently, but uh, you know, beyond that, he only had three targets. And uh, Rivers actually threw the ball a decent amount in this game. That's a little scary for me. But you know, I'm starting to hear, I'm starting to hear a lot of people talking about Pittman, 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 and uh, I just, I'm not, I, I have a hard time trusting him. I disagree, John. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling you would. I I agree with your observation of the Packer game, but I think there's a lot more of a foundation to grow for Pittman to grow on than what we've even seen in terms of production. I would absolutely agree with you. He what he had 13 or 16 yesterday, and what 12 of it all came on one play, something like that. So I can completely understand and respect exactly what what you're saying. But I do believe there's so much more to be uncovered here that I I, want to wait and see what Pittman actually um, ends up being. Because once again, this is a very well-coached team. This team has potential. This team is going to go somewhere. And I I think that for them to get there, they're going to need Pittman. Now we saw him have the large target share or the large amount of targets the real first game he I don't even call it a breakout that he showed up in. And this kind of showed a little bit of versatility, which I actually didn't expect him to have. I thought he was going to be more 
of a specific type of route runner, specific type of playmaker. But we're seeing that even that isn't the case, that he he does a lot more just in terms of route running than what I was expecting. So I disagree just not based on your position on what we saw this week, but what we're going to see coming or moving forward. And I'm not saying like sell him or anything like that. I'm just saying as far as putting him in your lineup, I, I wouldn't trust it at all, especially going into the playoffs. Like I, I need to see much more than what I've seen, uh, you know, especially with the defender falling down and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I just, it seems very, very fluky. And uh, Spaceman's not happy about it. Three targets for Pittman yesterday was criminal. Thank God they got all three tight ends involved. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to love it. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, that was really all I had in that game. Next game was the Steelers and the Jaguars. And the thing I picked up on this week is like the Steelers offense is somehow the least efficient and the most efficient offense all at the same time. And it makes no sense to me whatsoever because like Roethlisberger had the fourth worst yards per attempt this week of any quarterback in the NFL. There's only three quarterbacks worse than him. And yet they still scored three touchdowns, you know, it's just like, it's, I don't know what's going on, but it's just, it's, it's all volume based, but it's just, it's the little like dinks and dunks. It's so different than anything we've ever seen with Roethlisberger. But I mean, if they're going to throw it 40 something times a game, I guess you have to respect the volume for all these players, but like, they're not really doing much with it. And I know, I know, uh, let's see, where is he? M9, Matt had, uh, you know, he's saying Chase Claypool is still a stud. And you know what? Box score agrees with them. But I went and l- watched the film. Claypool's, Claypool's a little overhyped right now. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's, he's doing special things out there. But, man, that guy cannot track the ball for the life of him. <laughs> anytime Roethlisberger tries to lead him with a pass or anything, he gets lost in it. He's, he's turning left. He's turning right. He just completely loses the ball. Like, I really think the ball has to be directly thrown into his hands for him to catch the ball. And Roethlisberger's done a decent job of it, but I think that's also why we're seeing he has like a 40% catch rate, 50%, whatever it is exactly. I don't know. I remember exactly what it is, but it's not good. And, you know, with the speed that he has and the size and everything, it's working out, you know, touchdowns wise, but we know the touchdowns are fluky and, you know, those touchdowns go away and all of a sudden he has 30 yards on three catches. And that's uh, not what you want from your receiver. I'll say this. I think that a lot of the short passing plays are just extensions of a, of an, uh, of a game plan that doesn't want to run the football. I think that's what we're seeing because even when they're up, Connor is not getting a workload. And I don't know exactly why that is, but I'm, I'm thinking that that's, that it could be that they're trying to prevent injury before the playoffs and then they can really use him in the playoffs and maybe, maybe he's more, he's fresher. But still, you're, you're not even like running with another running back. You're actually just continuing to pass. Now, uh, you have to... You have to recognize since week five what Claypool is like second among wide receivers in terms of points per game. So there, mm-hmm. I want to at least say that much. And I know Deontay's been having massive games. And it would be, of course, that Juju steps on a flag and hurts himself. That is such <laughs> a Juju the Juju year type of thing that happened to him. But I am um, I, I, I almost don't care that 
how Claypool scores his points as long as he does because we're seeing that there are it, it's almost becoming consistent in ways that he gets the ball. Now they may not be we want to say the most always. I can't think of the word, but the 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 <laughs> way in which you could re- repeat them in certain situations. But yeah, if we if you throw an accurate ball, he's going to catch it. I I kind of like that. I'm not saying that that he's the most this that or the other uh, in terms of, of wide receivers, but you you know you put him in your lineup and you see 16 points when the game ends. You got to be pretty happy about that. I don't have him anywhere, but I w- I would say that there's a lot of options that I, I wish I could replace him or replace them with him. At this point, just based on his production. Now, could that change quickly? Is there going to be a defensive game plan that that filters or forces the ball to a different receiver? Maybe. But those other receivers are already producing too. So I think that it's kind of a tripod right now in that passing offense, and I think that's very valuable because they're all threats. I just – I really want to know why Connor is not scoring points. I'm sorry. That's literally the only thing that's running (laughs) through my head is why is Connor not scoring points? It's driving me crazy. No, I mean, they were up by so much in this game, and they were like, no, nah, we're not going to run. You know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, to your point, and that's what I, that was kind of the point I was trying to make in, like, a roundabout way, is mm-hmm. as long as Claypool's getting the volume, like, you have to start him. You have to play him. Uh, it's just he's he's not doing much with the volume except for scoring touchdowns. Now, people are going to be really excited about those touchdowns, but, I mean, the guy has 9, 13, 10, and 8 targets in the last four games, and yet he has 42, 69, 56, and 59 yards. Like you, when you get that many targets, you should have 100 yards, 120 yards, you know, 150 yards. Like, imagine Denzel Mims getting those kind of, you know, get, getting those kind of targets. Imagine, just imagine. But or Corey Davis, I dig- or Corey Davis, <laughs> or or any of the undervalued wide receivers. But I digress. Um, uh, Matt Matt brought it up. I had to I had to go over it. <laughs> uh, it's hard on the other side of the ball with the Jaguars. Like it's, it's really hard to trust anyone with Luton in there. Uh, you know, I know people are all excited about him and, and week one of him starting. And uh, that, I think that went away pretty quickly, but you know, I'm still trusting Robinson. He's still getting hundred percent of the carries and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, you know, he has a, a kind of a tough, uh, you know, playoff schedule, which isn't going to be great, but you got to start him. I mean, he, he's, he's getting the touches. He's, He's doing something with it. He still looks pretty good. He's just Luton has kind of taken away that uh, you know five, six, seven targets that he was getting you know earlier in the season. That's not great, but you know he, he's once like I was talking about uh, you know before. You get a guy that's getting 18, 20 carries. You got to play him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not one of those people that have the ability to just be like, oh, I'm going to start this this random bench guy this week in the playoffs. I'm going to play my studs. And Robinson's shown, shown enough that he's he's going to be the stud. Luton just doesn't have the arm, the arm strength. I, mm-hmm. he, any sort of good or fast defender or defense or defense that plays a very effective zone, it's going to be really hard for him to beat them because they're just going to get over to there wherever he's throwing the ball because he just can't throw it hard enough or you know just get it in a timely manner to the positions that he needs to. So, yeah, he had a nice first game when he was able to just kind of send it over top and blue, blue, blue. Now that there's film on him, it's not going to happen, <laughs> especially against a Pittsburgh yeah. defense. So. Yeah. Spaceman says this is going to be uh, Juju's last birthday in Pittsburgh, thankfully. So uh, I know Ju- uh, he's a big Juju fan and, and he's definitely looking for uh, he's definitely looking for him to go somewhere else and have a better opportunity. But I mean, Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. 
but with with the amount of times that uh, that Ben's throwing the ball right now, I mean, how can you say that he's going he's going to go somewhere else and it's going to be better? I I, I don't know. It's it's very tough for me to think. I I know that, like I said, Ben's not exactly efficient right now, but it's hard to believe that Juju's going to go somewhere else and have more opportunity. Well, it could just be better opportunity too because of That's the true. routes that he's running. I know against even like Dallas, what he had. What he averaged like four point four yards per target or something like that. Like that's just <laughs> not good. No. So, no, like I said, they're just they're somehow the least efficient and most efficient offense all at the same time. <laughs> uh, next game was the Falcons and the Saints, and you know once again we're we're running long here, so we're gonna have to probably switch over to uh to like uh oh my god, quick... we're doing so good. Yeah, I I, I don't know, but um you know we're gonna have to. Uh, go a little faster here, but the Falcons and the Saints, uh, we've said it before, no Julio, no offense. And I mean, that's just basically what happens every time Julio's out, that offense just goes to shit. And I mean, if Julio's, I mean, it's a hamstring, he's been playing through it, but uh, this, this game didn't look great for him. And so if he misses next week, I, I don't think I'm starting anybody besides Ridley. I mean, yeah, it's, they're three and seven now, soft tissue, Julio, take your time. Come back strong. Saints defense is legit. Um, I wonder if how Zacchaeus is going to do. I I like Gage more, but I think Zacchaeus is more versatile. So I I just he gives you more opportunities for him to actually produce in the offense. Um, you can see when there's no goal line carries that Gurley doesn't score points. Who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, we I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I mean. They, they they just need to bench Gurley and let Brian Hill do his thing. I mean, it, it's just it's unbelievable at this point. Like I, I've even said in the past that I didn't think that Hills looked that much better, but in this game, I think it was pretty clear that like Hills the better running back at this point. And I don't even think Hills that great of a talent. That just goes to show you how bad Gurley actually is at this point. Yeah, no upside unless you're on the goal line. There's no upside. He's not going to bust out a run. He's not going to truck anybody. It's if he can beat the linebacker to the corner of the end zone or get to the pylon, that's where he's scoring points. That's it. So I agree with you 100%. Sell high on Taysom Hill. Um, he he actually did. <laughs> he actually did much better than I thought he was going to. Especially if he's he, a uh, tight end eligible player. Yeah, right. Um, he I mean, he played a pretty safe game. I, I really didn't know what to expect, if he was just going to be running the entire time or if he was trying to throw, is he just going to be throwing like wildly and, you know, like Lamar Jackson or something like that. Um, but he wasn't. He actually looked pretty good. He, you know, he, he was getting the ball to Michael Thomas. Um, but I think he played a pretty safe game. And it was weird because he really didn't do much rushing in the first half. And then in the second half, he kind of started doing a little bit more of it. I don't know if he was trying his best to show that he can be a pocket passer or whatever. But I think people are going to be impressed by this. And they're going to be excited by it. And it was the Falcons defense. Literally ranked the 32nd best. <laughs> the worst defense in the league as far as uh, to quarterbacks. And I just, I don't trust it at all. And uh, I guess this night's all about trust, and I don't have it. <laughs> Two rushing touchdowns for, for Taysom. I don't know if I want to bank on that requirement going forward for him to put up enough points to be a starting quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And Alvin Kamara really misses Drew Brees. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> he's he's writing him letters like, hey, how those ribs feeling, man? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and, and, you know, like I said, uh, Taysom actually, you know, was putting the ball on Michael Thomas. and But, you know, I, I feel like this is the first week that Michael Thomas has actually looked fully healthy. Like, he, he looked back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was a little out of shape or, or something like that. Once again, Falcons defense, so maybe we can't take too much away from it. But, um, you know, he looked healthy, and obviously we know that Hill was targeting the hell out of him. Uh, so that is probably good for your Thomas shares if you have them. But I kind of want to see it against, like, an actual defense and not, like, a high school defense. I feel good knowing that that he was targeting Thomas. Um, now, would I like to, you know, just see more actual opportunities for passing touchdowns? Maybe, but I I like the fact that there were he was getting that many targets. So, um, yeah, boy, Kamara didn't catch a pass in this game, right? No, nope. yeah, first time ever. First time he, he did have a target, he just didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Although I, I watched that, it was a laser beam from from Taysom, and it was like, "Holy crap!" I, I don't his, know if anybody could have caught that. It was he three, his, three his yards pre-workout. Away. He took his pre-workout this game. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, all right, rapid fire because uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, Bengals. Uh, I hate to say it, but the offense is toast. I I feel like you know I'm not saying sell your guys or anything like that because they're all pretty young except for AJ Green, um, but. You, you got to bench him at this point. Like it, Finley's not going to do it. He, I think he had like a 47% uh, completion rate last year when he was the starting quarterback. I don't see that changing this season. Finley had a 47% completion rate and he didn't throw outside. He threw easy passes last year and he still didn't succeed very well. Yeah. Now I know he played against both the Steelers and the Ravens when he played. And I think he put up like the highest point total was like 13. So I wouldn't be expecting much out of this offense. Maybe Geo because of the checkdowns and the safe throws, but it's going to be very difficult to feel confident putting any of these guys near Atlanta. Yep. On the other side of the ball uh, for Washington, uh, McKissick didn't have his biggest game, but they, they were ahead the entire time. And, you know, Gibson, you know, Gibson did pretty well because of it, but McKissick kind of showed he has a little bit of a floor and, you know, even with only getting the four targets, he still had, you know, he's, he still had a pretty decent game mm-hmm. and he actually, uh, looked pretty damn good running the ball. But I think, you know, I was looking at their upcoming schedule and they have to keep up with Dallas, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Carolina, you know, like the upcoming games. And I feel like, you know, when you're, they're trying to keep up, it, that means McKissick. And so I, I definitely, I would, I mean, I'm not saying like you have to fire him up in, in your lineups, but obviously like depending on who you have, I, I would feel fairly confident, you know, starting them, you know, basically each week. Um, I agree with everything you said about McKissick because we we share that ever since you know he actually got to Washington and started actually playing. Yep. But I love Gibson. I oh yeah don't own him anywhere, and I don't care that he doesn't he doesn't you know get the lion's share of carries or anything like that. He is so much fun to watch, and I hope that this is the team that wins the NFC East. Um, besides that. I think passing options are, are kind of inconsistent behind McLaurin. And obviously you expect McKissick to have a bigger target share than what he got today. So I don't know if you have too many players you can really bank on besides maybe, you know, Gibson and um, an F1 and then obviously McKissick in a flex spot. But this team would be real fun to watch in a playoff game, especially that defensive line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, with with Gibson, I like people that have Gibson, they're going to start him. So I didn't really feel like we needed to talk about. Oh, it, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just yeah, absolutely. Just sharing my um, opinion. 
No, absolutely. Uh, next game was the Cowboys and the Vikings. And, oh, thank God we can breathe a, a, a sigh of relief that, like, it's going to be okay in, in Dallas. Like, it's going to be okay. At least for Zeke, at least for Cooper, and maybe even for CD. You know, <laughs> CD didn't have exactly, like, a ton of targets. But, man, that catch was pretty. Um, you know, like, we know that he seems to be kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, Amari's the the guy when they're coming from behind or they need that catch, you know, like they did in the fourth quarter, like they need that catch. They they're going to Amari. But when they're trying to have a little fun, when they're, you know, getting to the end zone, like you know, getting to the red zone and everything, like they're looking CD's way. And, you know, it's definitely at least promising that we don't have to worry too much. But I loved watching Zeke last night. Like it was such uh, like I said, I, I literally breathed a sigh of relief. I was like, okay, things are going to be okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, this this offense is going to be a thing of beauty next year. I love that little double pitch option that they ran for the two point. You can't defend that. I mean, you can like you you'll have to devote a bunch of guys out there, but then Zeke's just going to cut up field and he's going to be in the end zone. Yeah. Um, there could be a lot of things that come off of that. It could even be uh, it, this would really in, impact the offensive line blocking, but this could even be something where he turns it into some sort of halfback pass. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think I think. Uh, Lamb's the one that that next year and when they when they're when the offense is clicking, he's going to be the one that puts him in leads, like you said. And Cooper's going to be the one that devours his man whenever they need something for sure. So I'm with you. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if it's the you know the defense showed up. The defense did look a little better for for the Cowboys, um, but Dalvin Cook didn't look as good as I expected that he would have against the Dallas defense. Uh, but man, that workload is insane right now. I mean, he's getting more touches than freaking Derrick Henry. Um, so as long as he's getting those touches and as long as he's staying healthy, which I mean, I know he got hurt. I don't know if the wind got knocked out or or what, but I mean, it, it looked like he might actually be like legit hurt. Hopefully he doesn't have like broken ribs or anything like that. But, uh, but I mean, he, he was out there so much. He was just getting touch after touch after touch. Uh, now I've said it before and I'll say it again. Their playoff schedule is rough and you know once again you have him you're starting him but this is why i told you to sell him you know a while ago like when he was at his highest point and you know now we're seeing like he's still putting up you know good weeks and he's getting a ridiculous amount of touches but he's not getting those like 40 point weeks anymore <laughs> well delvin's a stud we know this you're starting him he's so much better than you know your average nfl player just even watching him get to the edge or get to the second level but we know that this is delvin cook's, cook's offense and Kirk Cousins and Thielen just operate in the times when they need them, when when they need to do more than what Cook can do based on if they need to come back or whatever. Yeah, and, and going real quick, uh, going back to the trust thing, I I really have a hard time trusting Thielen and Jefferson. Like I I know they both looked pretty damn good, especially Thielen last night, and that catch from Thielen was amazing too. But man, I just that yeah there's such low volume and you know you never know who to trust Thielen disappears and it's Jefferson's week and then it's back and forth and it's really hard to trust him but obviously like you kind of have to start Thielen at this point and uh you know even maybe even Jefferson at this point I agree if especially if you were playing Higgins I think that you you're playing Jefferson because Jefferson probably gives you even higher touchdown upside because a majority of his targets, depending on if how the coverage is leaning, he can take to the house. Where a player like Higgins is probably not as likely, unless they're in the in the red zone. 
And can we put a little bit of respect on Kirk Cousins' name? Go back and look at his game yeah. log. He has basically all but two games. I believe it's two games over 20 points, which you're going to feel comfortable starting every week. So I'm going to nominate Kirk Cousins as my guy that deserves respect this week with your Corey Davis submission. No. You know, I agree. I haven't always been the biggest Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins fan. So, you know, I, I could definitely say he probably deserves a little more respect than he gets. Um, Chiefs Raiders. All right. So we obviously know that the Chiefs listened to the monocle because they finally got CEH involved and it worked. <laughs> it worked. Like he looked awesome. He, uh, I, I don't know what else to say. He, they finally, you know, gave and they only gave gave him the ball like what fifteen times. I think he had uh, sixteen touches or something like that. And so it was, it's not yeah. like they had something right. I think I think mm-hmm. he had fourteen carries and and two receptions, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, regardless, like he looked good. And if that's how they're going to use him, you know, you're going to be able to use him going into the playoffs. Mad respect for the Raiders defense being so physical. Uh, you can really see that. Gruden's put his imprint on this team, but the Chiefs are just better. Obviously, this game was just a matter of when the clock ran out than it was about you know who was really dominating this game, because it's nice once again seeing the Raiders be physical and actually hold their own in these games because you know they're they're going to only build on this and become a better team from it. Um, that being said, though, on the plays that that they needed it, the, the Chiefs blocked up really well for Ceh. They even had. A really nice touchdown for Bell that Bell only really had to take on one guy because he had a, a nice uh, convoy of blockers. But, yeah, this <laughs> this Chiefs team is freaking good, especially when they're running on all cylinders with the running game because we've had those issues with them having that threat both in the running game and the short passing game for the running backs. I'd like to see more, more targets for the running backs. I think that could be something that other teams try to um, – gain leverage on by them not using that that threat as often. Um, kind of actually, uh, what do I say, for Mahomes, it was a little bit more of a pedestrian type of performance stat-wise, but he had such control that offense for three or four, three of the four quarters. I know that they kind of stalled out a little bit, but yep. they they pretty much moved the ball whenever they wanted, and they were, they were in opposing territory a lot of the game. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, I really I felt like this is the first time I watched Carr and didn't think he needed to be benched. But at the same time, like I, I, the box score, you know, like doesn't show or the box score uh, looks a little bit better than he actually played because it was, so much of it was just little dinks and dunks and all that, and his players making things happen, and not so much you know what he was doing. But like I said, he he really wasn't making mistakes. He was keeping the offense flowing, and I mean, I guess at this point, that's all they can really ask for. One more Josh Jacobs. I don't. I. I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not needing him in fantasy. I don't have him, but for as good as he plays, I just don't think he gets the valuable touches as much as he should. Um, there were a couple of throws that you're like, whoa! Like if Carr turns this over, or if the defender is just one step this way, where he's throwing like back across the field, that's a pick six, and the game looks much different. But he was very efficient to Waller. Um, I really like what I see from Aguilar. As long as Aguilar doesn't have to go like to his knees to catch a ball, it's probably going to be um, a much higher percentage of a catch compared to his Philly days. Now, I don't know how predictable that is, but it's it's good seeing uh, someone starting to prove themselves as, as 
not every week. I know he's had some duds, but as a, a mostly weak uh, opportunity that, that you can play him and you can expect to have a decent week. So um, I, I, I would say that if you have Aguilar, you got to feel pretty good most weeks playing him. I don't just don't know if it's uh, – there's too many factors that contribute to your decision-making process, um, if it's matchup-based or not, that you play him. All right, so we got two games left. Uh, not, I don't think there's that much to take away from mm-hmm. either game. And so I'm going to go rapid fire. If you agree or disagree with anything, let me know. Uh, Dolphins, Broncos, I feel like the offense actually flows much better with Fitzmagic in, but I highly doubt that they go back to him. You know, they've already said that uh, that Tua is still going to be the, the starter and all that kind of stuff, and I cannot imagine that they do that, and then they go back and forth, and I, I don't see that happening. Drew Locke looked better than I expected, um, especially against the, like a tough Miami defense that we, you know, which we've we've said the, at least the past few weeks has, has been really good. But it's really hard to trust anybody besides uh, Patrick and Fant. And Patrick's kind of I mean he was hurt a couple weeks ago, but he's actually kind of looking like the one on this team, which we we kind of said like maybe could be happening uh, earlier in the season. And it, he definitely seems to be kind of taking that one number one spot. And then uh, the Jets and the Chargers. Mims is going to be a stud. I'll probably talk about him every week until you guys hate me, but I mean, just the guy's a stud. Um, obviously, like it's not showing up in the box score necessarily, but that team's really bad. But, man, he just looks so good out there. And I know you're, you haven't been the biggest Mims fan, but you've even kind of started to come around a little bit. Um, and then uh, LaMichael Pirine is not a thing. Uh, he's not going to happen. Like when uh, when Frank Gore is uh, producing the same amount or like you know the same that you are, yeah, that's not that's not good. And then like the Chargers played the Jets after they cut their best corner and had three rookie corners starting. So I'm not taking much away from you know that side of the ball, honestly. <laughs> um, real quick, Broncos Dolphins. Broncos won this game in the in the trenches. Nine QB hurries, six sacks. Tua might have been rattled or even a little bit injured, and um, he's just being protected by his coach, who he's an awesome. The Dolphins should not be looking to change coaches for the next decade. He's no. uh, Flores yeah. is a great, Flores a great like player. Deal. Yeah, are great, great for his players. Um, yeah, uh, Keenan Allen is a is a monster, as we know. And actually, last thing, if the Broncos continue to run block like that, Melvin Gordon is going to be a viable option in the playoffs if you have him. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, we and I wanted to put Gordon on there, but then I looked at it and it was literally like a 50 50 split. And, you know, Lindsey had 82 yards to Gordon's 84 yards, and they mm-hmm. almost had the same amount of carries. And it's just like, man, I I just don't know if I really want to trust him. But, you know, like I said, if, if they're going to be blocking, maybe you could trust both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I need to see a little bit more. But I think we actually did it. We, <laughs> we actually finished before football. Uh, so awesome. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh that's a first. I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands now. No. <laughs> oh, Ricky Bobby. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. No. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, obviously we try to let you know what we learned each week. I'll be, uh, I'm not recording. Originally I was going to be recording with somebody on Wednesday putting out another pod, but uh, that got rescheduled. So I think I'll be putting out two pods next week. I don't think I'll be doing one this week unless I've been kind of thinking about doing a take it or leave it. Uh, the first in season, take it or leave it, but we'll see if that actually happens if I have enough time, <laughs> but uh, check out the articles going down at contenderconnection.com. 
uh, definitely, you know, be on the lookout for, for more of the pods and everything. But uh, for now, we're going to go watch some football. Thanks, Timmy. See you later. But for now, we're cashing out.